let's definitely do that. So we're, we're, all right, we're doing it. Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise question off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Three sides of a strange coin sometimes, I guess. Let's get it, boys. John, you have the coin, right? I, I've got it right here, sir. All right. It's uh, the lucky coin. Uh, and Trey, I can verify tails. That, well, look, I just want to show you that it has heads and tails. So there you go. I oh, verified this that it has both heads and tails. All right. All right, John. Hope you're ready. Going heads. Oh, my God. I don't fucking believe it. It's actually tails this week. No shit. Yeah. Can you believe that? All right. Let's go. <laughs> what the All hell? All right. Just so, happened? Tarek, uh, I'm going to mix it up this week. Uh, you want the ball first or are you going to defer? Uh, I want the ball and I'm going to score. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tim Tebow is on an NFL roster for some oh, fucking shit. reason. By the way, it is May 12th, 2021. Will he still be on this roster week one? Tarek, you got the ball. Absolutely not. He will not be on the roster week one. This is completely a publicity stunt. Tim Tebow's just out there to get on one knee and pray during training camp and, you know, give Urban Meyer a firm slap on the ass for a couple weeks. And he's not <laughs> he's not going to make the team. It's absurd. All right, Trey, why is he making the team? Well, have you seen the uh, tight end room that they have there in Jacksonville? I mean, can you even name anybody else on that team? Uh, I think there's somebody called a man hurts. Uh, there's a Luke Farrell drafted in the fifth round who I don't think caught a pass at Ohio State. So I, I Tim Tebow has been playing professional baseball for the last couple of years. So he's in good shape. So I think he's got a good chance as any of these other guys. <laughs> he's been playing professional, sit on his ass and talk about sports like we're doing. Just exactly like what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Me, me and Tim Tebow are the same. Basically. <laughs> Just call me Muslim Tebow. Hey, John. You've been talking about uh, Urban Meyer, about uh, his system. How are you feeling about this move? I feel like whatever system makes it so that I can watch Tim Tebow get decked by the biggest linebacker <laughs> in the NFL is the system that I'm rooting for. Whether that happens in preseason or in regular season, I don't care. I want to see that guy flat on his ass. All right. Jacksonville Jaguars, John's team number two. <laughs> <laughs> no love for Tebow on this pod. Sorry, Jacksonville. What the absolute fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football. And Mitch, it's good to be back. What's up, man? Oh, it's great to be back. It is wonderful. You know, I do want to say one thing about my trip. I'm not going to summarize the whole thing. But if there are any pilots out there listening, if the first thing you say to the people in your cabin is, I apologize, guys, I have some bad news. Maybe uh, you should rethink what the fuck you're doing for a living, man. We had to turn around and go back after he told us the flaps are failing. And I, look, man, I, I don't know what that means. I don't need to know that information if you're not going to elaborate. So uh, thanks, United Airlines. But other than that, good to be back. I mean, if you're a pilot, <laughs> you clearly do not have any anxiety issues when it comes to flying. So it's kind of like 
you you don't have any empathy, you know, for for people like Mitch who have to take like three different pills in order to get through a flight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just chose the chose the booze method this time since I was already sweating booze bullets. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Well, we're glad that you made it back, and we're happy to have you back on the pod, Trey. Uh, you're up in portland maine huh what are you some kind of hipster that's right man i'm on a away turf now for the uh the second week in a row so uh it's a it's a lovely city it's a lovely time of year to be up here and uh plenty of good food and beer but uh you know the the sound quality just isn't as good as back home in the uh in the studio (laughs) well we can hear you just fine uh john how are you man I'm just sitting here listening to Trey's beautiful voice, and I'm, I don't know what he's talking about. Sound quality is exquisite, Trey. Ah, uh, uh, don't flatter me, John. <laughs> You're killing it. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a lot of names to get to today. What we're going to be doing is continuing our React series from the NFL Draft. Last week, we talked about a bunch of wide receivers, and this week, we are packing in the three other positions uh, for Dynasty Fantasy Football. So in the first half of our show, we're going to talk quarterbacks and tight ends. And then in the second half, we will get to the running backs. Let's actually just jump right into our first half. So uh, like we did last week, we are going to go down the list uh, in the order that they were drafted by these NFL teams. And 101 was locked in. It has been for months to Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence from Clemson went there. So I mean, is there anything really left to say on Trevor Lawrence? I guess we can talk about where we have him ranked or what what our worries might be about in in the Jaguars. But I feel like we've talked this guy to death, right, Trey? Yeah, I mean, this we everybody saw this coming from a mile away, right? So no surprises he ended up in Jacksonville. I think what's more surprising is what Jacksonville has done since then. So we mentioned in the coin toss they uh, signed Tim Tebow to play uh, tight end for them and. Obviously, the Travis Etienne pick was a, a bit of a surprise at the end of the uh, first round. So, you know, that broke a lot of people's hearts out there who have uh, James Robinson on their team. So I think there's some questions about what Urban Meyer is trying to do uh, with that team. Uh, I know you had brought up uh, before the show some potential concerns with the offensive line. They certainly didn't target O-line uh, early. They waited until the second round to get that tackle out of Stanford, which... Should help, uh, but they're still not going to be very good on defense. So uh, good for us in fantasy, but not good for Jacksonville and necessarily winning games. Exactly, man. I'm worried about the Jags, the offensive line, the defense, the coach, Tim Tebow. But I am not worried about Lawrence producing fantasy points. So uh, he's he's one of the safest picks there is. You're going to feel good about it if you take him. So, yeah, we're we've said enough. Sure. John, obviously 101 in Superflex uh, and 1QB, where where are you thinking about taking him? I think uh, you could reasonably take him at uh, the anywhere between 10 and 12 in your first round there. I think he's got to be the first QB off the board. Uh, I don't know why you're picking a QB in the first round if it's not Trevor Lawrence. I think, like Mitch said, very safe pick. He's guaranteed fantasy production. I just hope he doesn't get killed like Joe Burrow did last year because how are they going to protect him? They didn't really, uh, I guess, I mean, they got the like the worst blocker in the running back class, right? And Travis Etienne. So what's he going to do? Stand in front of some guys or something? Well, there, there's yeah. definitely plenty of time to talk about Etienne. Uh, I, I mean, PFF had their O-line as the 22nd in the league last year. So not great. Uh, their biggest hole was tackle and they did get the guy in the second out of Stanford. So that does yep. fill a big hole. Yeah. Uh, I am not 
totally convinced that he's still the QB one for fantasy in this class. I know I've, I've said before my love for, for Justin Fields, but we got to give Trey Lance some love too. And it will get to him soon here. Uh, I have them all right next to each other. Uh, so for super flex, I, they're my one, two, three, mm-hmm. and I'm really not going to argue with you too much about uh, taking the upside of the running quarterback and Lance or fields over uh, Lawrence as your number one. Hmm. Sure. Sure. And on that note, maybe we'll just keep moving down the list of these quarterbacks. So at 102, another pick that was telegraphed, at least for the last month or two, would be Zach Wilson to the New York Jets. Um, Mitch, have you have you risen on Zach Wilson since the draft? They also added some intriguing offensive weapons, too. Yeah, that that's an ascending offense. And so I, I don't know if I've really risen much on him because, again, he was another draft pick that was telegraphed we knew he was going number two um the addition of elijah moore was nice and i i don't know if that's enough to to change my ranking of him though so uh he's my number four rookie quarterback he's uh my number 23 ranked quarterback overall i believe and then Mm -hmm. uh yeah his draft cap i i don't know he's still sitting at a early third for me in a one qb or like pick uh seven in a super flex which would be sure. after the studs like chase Najee, and pitts got it yeah i'm i'm right there with you in lockstep i have him at seven behind the top three quarterbacks and then kind of the three elite positional players john what do you think about that uh yeah i think he i think he belongs there uh there is probably no bigger certainty than zach wilson among these qbs because i screwed up last week as one of our loyal listeners, Kyle, pointed out they don't have a backup for New York. He's going to play every game, uh, whether he's injured or not. He's going to be out there. He's going to play 16, 17 games. And uh, so you don't have to worry about him producing this year. My only question is the same question that I had before the draft. Is he going to be around in three years or is he going to be like the next Drew Locke or Daniel Jones? And that's my concern right now. All right. Uh, at 103, San Francisco took quarterback Trey Lance. So I'm going to go from Trey to Trey. How long do we think before Trey Lance takes the job over in San Francisco? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I don't think Trey Lance is going to be the week one starter. Uh, the big knock that I had against Trey Lance coming into the draft, I mean, of course, he's coming out of a small school in North Dakota State. Uh, but he also only started 16 games in college, which means he has huge upside. He has huge room to develop, but he's also probably not as immediately pro ready as Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are. So it's definitely possible that we see him playing by the end of the year. uh, As soon as San Francisco loses two or three games, I think there's going to be a lot of fans wanting to see what they have in Trey Lance. Uh, I don't think Shanahan's necessarily going to rush him out there on the field uh, before he is ready to make that change. So I think they'll probably go with Garoppolo until, you know, things really go south. And uh, I don't know if you've seen that the schedule just came out today and uh, by some measures, uh, San Francisco has the easiest schedule in all of football. So that's actually, that, that actually helps Garoppolo and it probably helps him keep his job for most of the season. That's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. So I don't know. I, project him as the day one starter i don't think you make a trade like that up to the number three pick to get your guy and then sit on him with uh, a guy like garoppolo um 
I think, like, I love the landing spot. That's really it. And I feel like they're building that identity. Uh, they like to run the ball. They drafted an offensive tackle in the, I believe, the second round. You still got Kittle, Debo, Ayuk. Uh, that, like, that's, that, those are big dudes, at least Debo and Kittle. And then, I, I don't know. I, I think that, like, their identity is going to be a tough-nosed running team with the play action opening up with those guys. It, it just seems like that's what's going on. And Garoppolo, like, they've already tried to get rid of him. I don't see why he would be a Band-Aid. Just, just rip him off. Right. And, I mean, the way that you think Shanahan schemes up offenses hopefully will make things a little bit easier on Trey Lance in terms of, like, getting the ball into the hands of those playmakers. Both George Kittle, Debo Samuel in addition to Brandon Ayuk, can all make really athletic plays after the catch, especially Debo and Kittle. Ayuk's a little bit more uh, of a of a downfield guy, but coming out of college, he was a, he was seen as a big yak guy as well. Um, so I I think you know if you're in a super flex league, uh, Trey Lance, I I would consider taking him as high as the number two spot. Uh, I think most people are going to have him number three, uh, but. With that rushing upside, the the ceiling is kind of limitless. Yeah, John. Are we all in agreement that the first three picks of a Superflex rookie draft should be quarterback, quarterback, quarterback? Yes. That's the way I've got Yes. It. Yeah, yes. definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's closer than, Tarek, you're suggesting at the number one. Just because the upside that Trey Lance gives you uh, as a running quarterback is on the same level as guys like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. So yeah, he, he presents that same level of upside. And really with these rookie picks, we ought to be chasing upside and going after the possibility of getting that top five quarterback in dynasty. And uh, I, I'm not going to fault you if you have him as your number one over fields and uh, Lawrence. Cool. Well, speaking of uh, guys that can run and have that upside, the next guy that went off the board was Justin Fields at pick 11. Uh, the Chicago Bears traded up here with the New York Giants, and they selected Justin Fields. So uh, talk about Allen Robinson getting the best quarterback that he's ever played with. We're really excited about that. Um, Trey, uh, you mentioned that Justin Fields was your QB too, so I'm, I'm assuming nothing's changed. Yeah, so... There's been some people who have come out and said, maybe he's not the day one starter. Maybe it's Andy Dalton. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Fields is going to win that job. He's probably already better than Andy Dalton ever was in his career. So um, I think he's going to be the day one starter, but we'll see. Uh, there's definitely some issues in Chicago with that coaching staff and Fields could be looking at a new GM and a new head coach going into his second year. Uh, I really like Fields still. I know I've mentioned him. he's my number two. I'm thinking about taking him uh, as my first quarterback off the board if the, the opportunity presents itself, just because I love what he can do with the upside uh, on the with the running game. In addition to being one of the best passers in this class, I I definitely agree with that. I've got him as my QB two right now, uh, number two pick in Superflex. It's a slam dunk to me. I love Trey Lance as well. Uh, but for me, it's very clear. He ended up in an excellent situation. And the only question you already mentioned it, Trey is, is he going to be in a completely different system next year? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think that if he gets the chance to play early instead of Dalton, that he's going to be able to show that he is the man there. And, uh, w even if they do have a next coaching staff, I think that he's still good enough to survive a system change, but that's just my opinion. So 
I, I agree with you there. Um, where I stand on Fields versus Lance, like I think I'm the only one of the three that has Fields uh, below Lance, but it's only one spot. Now, as far as him starting week one, I think that's a slam dunk. This staff, like you said, Trey, is about to get shit canned, and they don't want that to happen, and Andy Dalton's not going to help them out in that regard. So this guy's starting week one, and like you said, pick one, sure, why not? Like, he's 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 the guy there. Yeah, the I think I think all of us are... Maybe Trey has a little bit more separation between Fields and Lance, um, but I think all of us have them pretty close in our rankings. Yeah. The reason I have Fields right over Lance is because in my mind, he has a higher floor than Lance and he has just as high of a ceiling, right? So as a passer, uh, he's really accurate. And I, and I think we've seen more success from him as a passer than we have Trey Lance and I think he has just as much rushing up upside as Trey Lance, even though Trey Lance kind of used that tool more when he was in college. So that's kind of, again, I have them literally in my overall QB rankings one spot apart, but that's why I give Justin Fields the edge is high ceiling in addition with a, a reasonably high floor. Okay, uh, the fifth quarterback off the board, uh, everybody was thinking for a while, at least the betting markets had him the favorite to go number three overall to San Francisco. But uh, yeah, luckily Kyle Shanahan uh, made the right decision there. And Mac Jones from Alabama slipped down to 15 for New England. So uh, also people were thinking that New England might have to move up to either draft Mac Jones or Justin Fields. And they, they ended up just getting to stay put there. So uh, we talked about Mac Jones a good amount on our quarterback show, but John, uh, what do you think about this landing spot in New England? So this is where things kind of get tricky for me in Superflex uh, because I've got first four picks are all quarterbacks for me. If you're in Superflex, that's where you're going. Quarterback, 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 if it's me. But then you get to Mac Jones, and I didn't really like him as a prospect. I think he's a really a cerebral guy, so I think the landing spot is ideal, being in a cerebral system like that. Uh, but I'm more comfortable taking some of these uh, upper tier running backs, uh, wide receivers, and the the one tight end over Mac Jones. So I've got him as at the end of the first round in super flex. I've got him in the 12th spot, uh, which is probably really good value in the first round. But I'm not sure that there's a, any certainty that he beats Cam Newton for the job anytime soon. But uh, there's also the question of, can you think of a worse person to <laughs> try to study study under uh, than Cam Newton? It's like, what are you going to tell him? Try and learn how to throw from Cam Newton? No, I don't think that's what... So I'm not quite sure what to make of Mac Jones, but I think he's good value at the end of the first round of a rookie draft. Yeah, it looks like his ADP is right there at 12 on DLF. So I think that, that seems like a reasonable spot, but I agree with you, man. I, I don't know if I'm taking him over uh, like a, a better running back or wide receiver prospect. I'm there with you. Yeah. So I guess all three of us uh, have them in the same spot then. I've also got him super flex number 12. Uh, what the hell are they going to do in that New England offense this year? They, they got two big name free agent tight ends. And then now they're going to have to design an offense around potentially Cam Newton on some plays and Mac Jones other weeks. Like, can't wait. That, that's going to be a really strange transition going from Newton to Jones or back and forth. If, uh, exactly. Yeah. That's what happens this year. So maybe that's an argument for him starting earlier than later. But I'm, 
for the most part, I'm, I'm with you. I think Newton's the, the week one starter, even though he really didn't prove anything last year. Yeah. Um, and I, I got to agree with John that I do like Mac Jones landing in New England. Uh, I think he's more of kind of a late first, early second round NFL draft grade for me. So I still think this is high, but that always happens with quarterbacks. Just really happy that the NFL didn't go too crazy and, and draft him with a top three pick here. All right. So then we had kind of a big pause in quarterback drafting, which represented a pretty big tier. And then there's this uh, cluster of three quarterbacks that went um, at the very end of the second round and the beginning of the third round. So we had Kyle Trask at pick 64 to Tampa Bay, Kellen Mond at pick 66 to Minnesota, and then Davis Mills at pick 67 to Houston. So uh, let's just kind of talk about these three guys together. Um, John, can I ask you about Kyle Trask and what you think about him as kind of the possible heir apparent to Tom Brady there? So it's it's a tough question because I think that he didn't get great draft capital. The spot where he landed, you kind of feel like he might just be a backup forever. And when Tom Brady chooses to go, they're going to just hire another vet because that's what they've shown. That's what the Bucks front office has shown. Uh, but I think he's still like an okay uh, lotto ticket to take maybe at the beginning of the third round of Superflex. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I put him at spot number 24 just on the off chance that, you know, Tom Brady's not a spring chicken anymore. He could get injured. And right now he's going to be that QB too. So I think he's still a guy you take at the beginning of the third round of Superflex, but I don't think he's a guy that you're counting on playing as a starter at any point for Tampa Bay. I don't think you make yeah. that assumption. Yeah, I don't know. About, I don't know about Tom Brady getting injured with that all plant diet. You know what I'm saying, Mitch? <laughs> that that avocado ice cream, brother. But <laughs> I, look, man, he he might not be a spring chicken, but he still looks better than me at 43. So fuck it, good for him, man. I think he's playing till 50. So uh, I would not be surprised. I don't. Uh, but as far as the player we're actually talking about here, I, I ranked him with like the Jordan Loves of the world and the the Teddy Bridgewater is kind of down in that lower, like early 30 tier, a a lotto ticket, maybe. But if there's one thing Tom Brady has shown, he does not like to do that's mentor young quarterbacks. He hates that. Sure. Yeah. uh, Trey, I know you have kind of been ahead of the curve on Kellen Mond here, who got early third round draft capital from Minnesota. And uh, I just, you know, yesterday we got uh, that clip from Justin Jefferson on, um, Colin Clown Herd show, uh, kind of funny thoughts on a Kirk Cousins. Uh, I just kind of wanted to bring that up here. I, it may be related that you know Justin Jefferson not throwing Kirk Cousins under the bus, but basically saying you know we got a plan for the future. Talking yeah. about Justin Fields, but what about Kellen Mond here? What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean the other thing that uh, caught my eye was the fact that apparently Minnesota was in play to trade up for Justin Fields if uh, Chicago didn't get him at eleven. So that is a huge sign to me that Minnesota and and Minnesota's front office isn't really convinced that Kirk Cousins is going to get him to the promised land. So. Uh, I think Bond is a good value at the top of the third round for the Vikings. Uh, he showed that he, you know, could improve as a passer every single year at Texas A&M. And, you know, like Justin Fields, he presents some really good upside uh, with the running game. Uh, the, the, the comp that I have for him is Colin Kaepernick, who was a great fantasy quarterback uh, for about one season. Exactly. 
Uh, and yeah, I mean, he right now is my highest out of these three just because of that upside with the running. But uh, for 2021, Cousins is probably going to be the starter. So we're probably not going to see a whole lot of Mond. But who knows? Maybe Vikings miss the playoffs and Cousins is out of there next year. So I think uh, this what this situation reminds me of is uh, last year when the Eagles took Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts was everything that uh, Wentz wasn't. And so I think I think the skill set of Mond is everything that Kirk Cousins doesn't have. And if I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm concerned about that. It's like, why are they drafting this guy instead of a guy that I can tutor? So it's just a question. Like, what is it that they intend to do with Kellen Mond? And that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Yeah. So with Trask, Mond, and Mills, I kind of have all of them clustered around the top of the third round of a Superflex rookie draft. Uh, I'll just say about Mills, I'm reasonably high on Mills as a prospect. And when he first got selected by Houston in the beginning of the third round, I was pretty excited because I was like, well, he has a pretty clear path to playing time because Tyrod Taylor's not the long-term answer there. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson's situation. But then, you know, the next logical step to thinking is, well, they're going to be, you know, pick one, two, maybe three in the 2022 NFL draft. And they actually have that pick. Um, So I think Davis Mills is going to have to get playing time and he's going to really have to ball out for them to justify not taking a quarterback there. So I think whereas before the draft, he was kind of my uh, QB six. Uh, I, I think I have him QB, uh, three out of this trifecta of Trask, Mond and Mills now. So I am fading on him a little bit, but I still think he's worth an early third just in case, right. In a super flex league. Yeah. I, so the, I think the counter argument, sorry, one real quick on uh, Mills. I, the counter argument is he only started 13 games at Stanford, which in this case actually means there's tons of room for him to still potentially develop. Whereas we kind of know what the ceiling is with Trask. I, we haven't really seen it yet with Mills. So who knows? He'll get early playing time and he'll ha- at least you'll know what you have in him by the end of the season compared to these other two guys, most likely. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll probably see him play this year. That's that's my prediction, Davis Mills. Agreed. All right, let's keep it rolling. We're, we're going to end the quarterback section there and just move on straight to the tight ends. So at 104, Atlanta went ahead. They were kind of trying to flex so they could maybe trade back, but they ended up making the pick. Kyle Pitts, a.k.a. the God, a.k.a. tight end one, a.k.a. wide receiver two. Uh, He's there. He's in Atlanta. And we might see Julio Jones in Tennessee soon, Mitch. Oh, we could only dream, man. But Atlanta... I'm going to call them Honest Abe Atlanta because I don't know what the fuck was... How are they waving pits in front of everybody and still taking them? That's I'm still irritated by that. Yeah, where's your smokescreen? Yeah, I, they they were not interested in putting up a smokescreen at all. They were just like, yeah, we'll take Kyle Pitts. We'll take him. And, and yeah, they ended up taking him. So, Trey, uh, wh- where is Kyle Pitts ranked for you? And then, John, I got to ask you because I know, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, so... For super super flex right now, I have him at number eight, uh, which I know is probably a little bit lower. Uh, I, I would prefer to have uh, those big three at quarterback. I prefer to have the big three at running back, and then obviously Jamar Chase too. And and that's really just about the value of the tight end position. Uh, even if you're in a tight end premium score uh, setting, then you know he basically has to come in and 
put the best tight end one season ever on the field as a rookie to justify, you know, going any higher than this. So I, I'd rather go for the running back and the receiver, at least those top tiers. Uh, but yeah, he, my top eight in uh, super flex rookie drafts. Yeah, I went ahead and moved him to my tight end too, because that's what he is. He is tight end two in the NFL. Tight end two overall. Yes. Uh, and I actually agree with you. I think at five, that's the first time you ask a question. Do I take a wide receiver? Do you take a running back or do you take Kyle Pitts? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, say you're wrong regardless of which guy you go there. But if you take Kyle Pitts at five, I think you're going to be happy. I think that's good value. And I think you're never going to have to draft a tight end again. If, if you have him rated over Travis Kelsey, I'm going to my mind is going to be blown when you don't select him in our rookie draft this weekend. Like, come on, bro. Yeah. Uh, well, you have Kittle first. I have, I go Kittle at, as one and I got Kelsey as three. I just like the clock's ticking, right? He's not Tom Brady. Not, in, Kelsey is not, not with Tom Patrick Brady. Mahomes. Nothing's ticking, dude. He's, he's tight in one period. Uh, yeah. This season. Sure. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm pretty sure John is, uh, is not going to be taking Kyle Pitts in our rookie draft, but you know we'll Never we'll let know. y'all know next week. We'll let y'all know next week. All right. Uh, after Kyle Pitts, the next tight end that went off the board was in fact Pat Fryermuth, who most people projected to be the tight end too in this class. He went pick fifty five to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so I guess uh, you know we can officially say good night to Vance McDonald and uh, Eric Ebron is still there. What? Wh- what do we think of this landing spot? You know, Ben Roethlisberger, a lot of people calling him washed these days. So what is this landing spot for Friar Muth? What do we think? I'd say it's a great scenario for him. Like you said, Vance McDonald, he's no threat. Eric Ebron, the only thing he's a threat to do is put up three touchdowns and then take a nap for seven weeks. <laughs> um, I, As far as tight ends go, we've all talked about on this show how long it takes them to get acclimated. Well, he's probably going to be doing doing a lot of blocking and uh and whatnot for uh our friend Najee Harris so uh, I don't think you're gonna get return on this pick this year but it's a good offense to be in and yeah I think it's a great landing spot I like the landing spot as well I I would take him at uh like the 21st spot in super flex so kind of the end of the second round I think he's good value there but yeah it's like Mitch said if you take a tight end you don't expect production year one unless it's Kyle Pitts um, so, you know, you take them, you store them and you like the landing spot. And then you think about it a year from now. Yeah. I, I so the landing spot actually made me want to fade, uh, fire a little bit. You know, part of that is just because, you know, Tomlin's not going anywhere and, and those offenses in Pittsburgh have never really produced a reliable starter as a tight end. So, um, I mean, maybe fire breaks that, uh, chain, uh, but, you're, you guys are right. He is going to be asked to block a lot as a rookie because that O-line is not good. And they didn't really uh, you know, bring in anybody in the draft to help out that O-line until the third and the fourth round. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I like the player a lot. I don't love the situation, so I'm with you. I've got him down at the end of the second, beginning of uh, third in uh, Superflex rookie drafts. Yeah, well, well, Trey, they haven't produced one, but Roethlisberger's been there for... God knows how long, and this is probably his last year, I would think. And like you said, Tomlin Tomlin's consistent there. So it, with a new quarterback, you're gonna he's gonna acclimate to that quarterback, and maybe Friar Muth is going to be ascending at just the right time. So 
get this guy, draft him, get a, get him the keys to a taxi, and just put that shit in park. Yeah. So agreed. I'm not going to read too much into the situation, right? Situation changes. It'll probably be a new quarterback in one or two years. Uh, so really, it's all about the fact that you're not going to necessarily know what you have uh, with him in that first year. And there's other uh, dart throws I'd rather go for at the end of the second. For sure. I, I agree with both of you there. I think if you're drafting Pat Fryermuth, it's because, you know, you have the roster space or the taxi squad space that you just kind of want to park him and see what happens over the first year, maybe even the first two years. All right, Trey. So while me, John and Mitch were kind of like putting on our clown makeup and talking, you know, our Brevin Jordan shit, <laughs> Mr. Athletic, you know, a month ago, a month and a half ago. <laughs> Trey Cryan was out here saying Hunter Long is my tight end three. And you know what? Hunter Long was the third tight end off the board. Pick 81 to Miami. So he's coming in, maybe trying to eat Mike Gesicki's lunch there. Trey, talk about this landing spot. Yeah, this is the the smallest, the tiniest of victory laps, but I'll take it. Uh, so uh, yeah, Hunter Long to me was the third best tight end in this class before the draft because of his... Uh, his good athletic profile because of his production in college at the 21.8% uh, college dominator, you know, he, he's got good size and speed and uh, I've like athleticism and tight end and Brevin Jordan did not have a good uh, uh, pro day. So, you know, I was fading him uh, before the draft and it looks like the NFL agreed with me there. So the landing spots weird. Uh, I kind of just have to trust Miami knows what they're doing and they have a plan here. Uh, apparently Gasecki and Smythe, who are the other two tight ends on the roster, are both going to be free agents in 2022. Mm -hmm. So if you're a smart team, you should be drafting guys at positions that are going to become free agents, which I guess Miami's a smart team now. So so I like the pick. I like the landing spot. Like Friarmouth, you're not going to know what you have the first year, most likely. Uh, so he's more at the bottom of the third round for me just because... Um, you know, as much as I like the player and, and the profile, he's, we're, he, he's not as good of, as a prospect as Primuth is to me. And the landing spot's a little bit weirder. The next tight end that went off the board was to the Carolina Panthers at pick 83, Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. So go Irish. Um, Look, he was kind of rising in my books before the draft, this Tommy Tremble. Um, and I think this landing spot and um, the day two draft capital, you know, helped kind of solidify him as my tight end 3A or 3B with Hunter Long. Um, he has kind of a really dismal production profile at Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think he ever got above 300 yards receiving. But athletically, I think he might be the most athletic tight end in this draft in terms of just like burst score and uh, agility and all that. Am, am I wrong about that? Is it Hunter Long or is it is it Tremble? Well, it's, it's sure Kyle it's, Pitts. Uh, Brevin Jordan, obviously. <laughs> oh, oh, it's Kyle Pitts. It's, it's Kyle, Kyle Pitts, Pitts. and then it's everyone else. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 <laughs> Kyle, Pitts, Kyle Pitts is wide receiver too, y'all, right? So no, right, no, no, no. Right, right. I, well, here... In terms of just like a kind of low production profile um, and kind of a decent draft capital coming from a school that routinely produces tight ends, ultimate fucking moon comp would be somebody like George Kittle, right? Who at Iowa did not have a lot of production, is a super athletic guy and came from a program that consistently produces tight ends. 
So I'm not saying Tommy Tremble has, you know, even George Kittle ceiling, but like Trey was saying, athletic tight ends that have decent draft capital are worth targeting kind of in the later parts of your rookie draft. So for me, Tommy Tremble would be a late third, early fourth round pick target. So so I love Tommy Tremble. He was a great uh, part of that offense at Notre Dame. So I loved watching him on Saturdays. Uh, he looks more like an H back than, you know, an inline tight end to me. So uh, my comp might be more closer to a guy like uh, Dawson Knox, who didn't really have a lot of production at Ole Miss. Uh, actually started out as a fullback before converting to tight end, has a great athletic profile. Uh, I don't know if it's as good as Trimble's. So um, if, if he's between what Dawson Knox is and uh, and Kittle, then uh, that's pretty good upside for the uh, end of your third round in a super flex rookie draft. Sorry, uh, I'm just going to put my uh, clown makeup back on for making the Tommy Trimble George Kittle comp. Uh, Mitch, why don't you talk to us about Trey McKitty, who was picked by the Los Angeles Chargers at pick 97 in the NFL draft? Well, my my clown makeup is nicely done right now. I don't think any of us really talked about this guy, but he's he's a cat guy, right? So how can you hate him? And he's got the the third round draft cap, so that that's that's also not so bad. But I think his most redeeming quality is that he played bat. No, he's six foot five, two hundred forty five pounds. And he's playing for Justin Herbert. That that's good enough for me to close my eyes and throw a dart. John, what what does the McKitty thing do for the Parham Truthers and for Jared Cook? Anything? Jared, I don't who? Know what the hell they're doing out there? Jared Cook is clearly the guy out there. I think uh, McKitty's going to be out there blocking, and uh, I don't think they know what they're doing with their tight end. They're trying to figure it out. We'll see what happens. He could just stand still, man. It's all good. Whip that to him. All right, John, and why don't you close out this tight end section by giving us a, a little a little uh, teaser on Brevin Jordan, I guess. I guess. Uh, well, let me just first say that uh, these guys we've been talking about, I've got uh, 39, 40, and 41 for Brevin Jordan, Hunter, and Trey McKitty. That's where I would take them in super flex. So we're talking mid, what is that? The mid-round, uh, mid of mid Fourth. fourth yeah thank beginning you middle yeah. your fourth yeah that's a that's a dart throw right there if you want to take a tight end that's a great place to take one is in the fourth round put them on your taxi squad let them sit there i actually like the landing spot of houston for brevin jordan i don't think i've ever seen a tight end in college take more screen passes than brevin jordan did uh and i think if you're right and uh davis mills is playing early he's gonna he's going to want to rely on that kind of guy that he can throw a short quick pass to and I think uh, Brevin Jordan's well situated to to be that guy. He he took a lot of those short passes at Miami, uh, and maybe he could be a safety blanket for a new quarterback. Uh, I think that in the past the tight end situation in Houston has been a bit of a trap. Uh, they haven't had a consistent tight end in a while, but Deshaun's presumably not playing this year, so uh, they're going to have to throw it to somebody. And if it's a new and if it's Tyrod Taylor. Uh, he hasn't been well known for throwing the ball deep down the field either. So perhaps Brevin Jordan might be that guy. Uh, low A dot, I think is what the analytics folks like to say, right? John, just let me throw out one name uh, for you. And it's uh, Kahale Waring, oh. who was hurt all of last year and missed the season. He was a third rounder back in 2019, and they still don't know what they have in him. They only spent fifth round uh, draft capital on uh, Brevin Jordan. So I think he might even be the tight end three this season in Houston. And that's why I'm taking him in the fourth round. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, that is enough uh, tight end talk after Pitts and Fryermuth. You know, uh, do do what you want at tight end, I suppose. We don't care. <laughs> do <laughs> ruin your team if you want to. <clears throat> Nas, why did you do it? You know, I got the mad fat fluid when I rhyme. It's halftime. Uh, all right. Oh shit, it's halftime. Oh, we'll shit. see if we'll see if I I keep that in the edit. All right, you can't cut that. That can't be cut. So our our halftime segment, which is a question that I ask of our three panelists every week, and they give me an argument-based answer, and I choose Trey. who I think made the best argument. <laughs> I choose Trey. <laughs> All right. Uh, the question this week is, who is a rookie draft sleeper? So we're talking about third round or later in a super flex rookie draft that you are targeting. Mitch, starting with you. Come on, bruh. No, for real. I'm Amon Ra, St. Brown. Let's do it. Uh, I I think we all had him around the 45-55 range, and he, he stuck there for us. But the landing spot we've discussed, whether it's good or bad, and it, it seems kind of neutral. But again, looking at his competition, uh, Quintez Cephas, Tyrell Billiams, Khalif Raymond, a bunch of undrafted free agents like Sure, Swift is there, he's going to be getting the ball. Hawk is there, he's going to be getting the ball. But one wide receiver's got to eat, and I think he's hungry. So, come on, brah. Come on, brah. All right, uh, Trey, we'll go with you next. All right, so Superflex in the third round, I say target Kellen Mond. I already talked about him once this episode. Uh, he's currently ADP uh, 28, which is 3.04. Already, We already talked about he was the third-round pick by the Vikings, who apparently don't believe in what they have with uh, Kirk Cousins. I already mentioned he's a four-year player who improved in his completion percentage and his touchdown-interception ratio every year he was at AM. His upside is Colin Kaepernick, so he gives you that huge upside uh, with that rushing game. And there's you know a lot of buzz about uh, Cousins potentially not being the guy there. So I say jump on that upside. I think he's great value at the top of the third. I think you can start thinking about Kellen Mond in the middle of the second because there's Whoa. a huge teardrop once some of those... Uh, second tier receivers start coming off the board. All right. I'm going to go with Trey. No, just kidding. John. Uh, <laughs> Do I even have to go? <laughs> you're going third here. I can already tell this is going to be a hard decision. So go ahead, John. I'm uh, I'm uh, going to go. These guys kind of went low hanging fruit. I'm going to go deep dive here. And I'm going to go with uh, Kylan Hill, who was a seventh round draft pick, but he landed with Green Bay and he is actually my running back seven in this rookie class. And in college, according to PFF, he had 116 missed tackles on 453 carries at Mississippi State. That's elusive. He was a 2019 second team All-SEC uh, guy. He held out after a few games in 2020 on with a new coach. I think that elusiveness could translate to the NFL. He's performed at a high level against SEC defenses. He's a solid 215 pounds. He kind of reminds me of Mike Davis. I know he's a seventh-round pick, which makes him a lotto ticket. Um, and I think uh, we've got him at 41 at the DLF uh, rookie. So we're talking about fourth round rookie draft kind of guy. But Green Bay doesn't have a player on the roster who can fill the void that was left by Jamal Williams. Williams had 119 rushing attempts last year on, and 35 receiving targets. And that was 110 half PPR points. Uh, somebody's got to step into that role. And I don't think they've got that guy on the roster right now. So it might take him some time to develop in that role. But I expect him to step into that role for Jamal Williams. And so I think that's good. Uh, upside in the fourth round. <laughs> I like how John 
like conveniently didn't say Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon for like a minute and a Maybe half I'll there. It's like, okay, he's going to have to say something about Aaron Jones <laughs> or AJ Dillon, right? <laughs> I know, I know you're low on A.J. Dillon, but come on, bruh. Does he, he catch hates, the ball? He hates he doesn't AJ catch Dillon. the ball. And speaking of come on, bruh, I'm going with Mitch. I, I appreciated him identifying come on, bruh, as a clear, easy target in the early third round of a super flex draft. I think it was a good argument. Obviously, no pass catchers there. And yeah, the points don't matter. So what? That gives <laughs> Trey, I think, four, Mitch, two, and John won. I won the very first episode. Never again. That's at least worth one and a half, John, you winning the first episode. So there you go. You got you got one and a half. All right. Are we good? Are we good with halftime? Yeah. I, I not I, I'm good with it. Are you Trey looks a little upset. No, no. Congrats, Mitch. You earned it. Uh John, you cannot be salty uh, about not winning the halftime when you're throwing out Kylan Hill seventh round <laughs> running backs. Ramondre Stevenson was right there. All right. Who? <laughs> who who john, john's favorite move who i mean it's effective all right let us get into this second half and let's talk about a real position in dynasty and that is the running back okay so okay. we got some names to get through here first running back that came off the board at pick 24 to the pittsburgh steelers was naji harris from alabama John, you picking Najee Harris 101 this weekend or what, man? Come on. I could. Uh, I wouldn't want to spoil the surprise for you, but he's clearly, <laughs> clearly the first running back in this class. You've got if uh, if and actually, I think there is a very strong argument to take him 101 um, in one QB drafts and certainly number four or no, well, you could take him four, but certainly number five in uh two quarterback leagues as well. I love the landing spot. I think his outlook this year is higher than any of the other running backs. Uh, now getting into a year from now, that's debatable, but certainly uh, this year, Najee Harris, 101. There's not really an argument about that. Yeah, it was no surprise that he went to uh, the Steelers. I think we and the experts were all projecting that's where he was going. So it's it's not a sexy topic to talk about too much because he's been solidified as that number one guy in at least our opinions. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's a nice landing spot. I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, it's a great landing spot in terms of volume. It's not a great landing spot in terms of what happened to that offense last year and the question marks on that offensive line. Uh, so hopefully those third and fourth rounders they drafted are going to help them out. Uh, Najee Harris is not going to have the holes that he's used to running through in Alabama, uh, this year. So I think it's going to be tough sledding for him. He might be a little bit of a high volume guy in year one, but I think we all agree that the ceiling for Najee is, uh, is super high with that pass catching ability. Sure. And Matt Williamson, uh, at Williamson NFL on Twitter, he's a dynasty guy. He's also really plugged into the Steelers organization, former NFL scout, so he knows what he's talking about when it comes to the Steelers. He said that Tomlin and the offensive coaching staff, when they picked Najee Harris, they were like more excited about a first round pick than he's seen in a long time, just like their affect. And we know that Mike Tomlin, when he has a guy, he runs that guy into the ground. So volume is definitely not going to be an issue for Najee Harris. I think 
we'll see how much room he does have. Um, but uh, I think for the foreseeable future, this is a guy that's going to have probably a 250 touch floor as long as he stays healthy. Okay, so the next pick in the NFL draft at running back was the very next pick at pick 25. The Jacksonville Jaguars went ahead and paired Travis Etienne with the number one overall pick, uh, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Trey, uh, I know out of all of us, you're kind of the only one that has Travis Etienne in the same neighborhood as Najee Harris and really kind of nipping at his heels. So I want to give you the first crack at your uh, reaction to this landing spot. Yeah, I mean, I think the landing spot is as good as Pittsburgh, really. Uh, I mean, there's definitely questions about how the usage is going to shake out. So with with Harris, it's he's probably going to get 80% of that volume, if not more. Whereas ETN, you know, maybe it's more of a 60-40 split with J-Rob. Maybe they try to mix Carlos Hyde in, if you believe any of the uh, coach speak coming out of Urban Meyer in the last couple weeks. So... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like ETN as much as Harris. I liked him as much going into the, uh, before the draft. I, I love that he got the first round draft capital. Uh, I think there was probably some other teams that were looking at him if, uh, Jacksonville didn't pick him there at 25. So yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it's one A and it's one B for me. Uh, Harris, just with that size speed combo, he's got a little bit more upside, which is why he's still holding on to that number one spot for me. Yeah, and Mitch, you're on the other side of the aisle here. So uh, you're a little bit lower on Travis Etienne, certainly much lower than Trey. So um, what did you think about the landing spot? Well, I think it's a shame that the Jags didn't get their guy turf toe, Tommy. But, <laughs> you know, if they're stuck with Etienne, great. That, that I didn't like the landing spot. I, I didn't really like him before the draft. I, I thought he was very overrated before the draft. Now I think the situation's a mess with Robinson, I know you guys think that he's going to come in there and eat Robinson's lunch, but he earned his lunch. And I, I think that he's the guy, uh, he's the first down guy right now. And I have them ranked right next to each other because uh, where do I have them? I have them ranked at uh, 27 and 28. And uh, that's probably about as low as I've seen it. I, I accept that, that I'm a hater on this one, but I just, I don't like what they're doing in Jacksonville and I don't like, I don't like what they're saying. I don't like the coach speak. I don't think that he's going to get the opportunity that he could have gotten going to another team. Yeah, and that's that's fair. He could have got more opportunity elsewhere, but uh, I, I'm not letting J-Rob scare me off at all. J-Rob is a fixin' to go the same route as guys like Jordan Howard and Philip Lindsay and these other seventh-round picks that broke out before him and just get absolutely their lunch eaten by these, you know, just better running backs. And Mitch has been operating under this uh, viewpoint of ETN as like only a third round guy <laughs> since, or a, a, a third down guy uh, for the last couple of weeks now. But uh, that's not who he is. You know, he's the all time leading rusher in ACC history. So he's going to get the work. And it's just a matter of uh, how much that usage splits out. Well, according to coach speak, right, he is the third down guy, right? Yeah. But John, 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 let me ask you, I think what maybe we need to talk about is in terms of how much lunch is going to be eaten, like who is going to be the goal line back maybe is the question that we should be asking because 
if J-Rob's taking early downs and ETN's mixing in on third downs and some early early downs, what that signals to me is I want to know who's going to st- score the touchdowns. What do you think? Uh, I think that ETN's definitely going to score touchdowns, but it's not going to be on the goal line. That's not his game. He's He came in at 205, but that was like 10 pounds of baby weight there. Like he's going to, he's explosive. He's going to score his touchdowns, but they're going to be 60 yarders. I wouldn't be, I would be pretty surprised to find out that he was the goal line back uh, and I think it's a legitimate question of who's going to be uh, down there at the goal line because I think that they brought in Carlos Hyde for a reason. Urban Meyer knows that guy, and why would you bring him in if you're not going to use him? Just uh, other than uh, uh, Tebow, other than to pit. Okay, yeah, that Tebow too. Hand the ball, hand the ball to Tebow. Why would you bring him in if you're not going to use him? Right. That's right. Oh, why didn't I think of that? No, I. I, I mean. You yeah, look, if there's one thing everybody hates in fantasy football, it's 60 yard touchdowns. Okay. Uh, so the RB three off the board in the NFL draft was to the Denver Broncos at pick 35. They traded up to this pick and selected Javante Williams out of North Carolina. I think they traded up right in front of Miami. So uh, they were probably trying to eat their lunch money there by taking Javante Williams. Uh, Mitch, uh, I know you've been a Javante Williams fan kind of throughout this process. So uh, did you like him landing in Denver here? Yeah, I'm into it. He's still my RB2. Um, He is my overall running back 18. Denver's a great spot for him. Melvin Gordon's still there, clearly. They need to sort out the quarterback thing there, but that offense looks absolutely dangerous with Sutton and Judy and Noah Fant and uh, they're just a quarterback away from being very viable and if they don't win the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes well they'll probably get a quarterback next year then and you know who's not going to be there next year that's Melvin Gordon so even if he doesn't produce off the rip I loved his running style and I think that yeah I I think Denver is a great place for a running back. Trey is Javante Williams going to take over as the starter in your mind from Melvin Gordon sometime in his first year? Or do you think we'll have to wait till 2022? What Denver has shown the past couple seasons is they liked having Philip Lindsay and they liked having Royce Freeman or they liked having like two running backs and splitting it like 50, 50, 60, 40. Um, I know the coaching staff has changed, uh, but I kind of think that's what we're going to see in Denver. It's probably going to be a 60-40 split. I think it's going to lean more towards Melvin Gordon, uh, let Javante Williams get up to speed. But, you know, with if Aaron Rodgers comes in, I think Javante Williams is going to be in a great spot in, in 2022. So, I mean, it's it's a great landing spot. We're, we're not going to get great year one value out of him, but this is exactly kind of like what happened with J.K. Dobbins last year, you know, like these situations where they're not projected to be week one starters, but there's they should definitely still be uh, first half of the first round uh, rookie picks. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not like Melvin Gordon's shown the ability to stay healthy for an entire season either. And I can definitely see if uh, Javante Williams checks in for him for a couple weeks and then lights it up. That might be his job. So I could see it going that way, too. Yeah. And when we're thinking about, I think I mentioned earlier, uh, best landing spot in 2021, I said it was Najee. I think Javante has the best landing spot for 2022. I think this time next year, we're going to be looking back on it and say, damn, I wish I had Javante in my roster. And that's why I've got him as my running back too right now. I think in Superflex, you take the four quarterbacks, you take 
in whatever order you like, you take Jamar Chase, you take Najee, and you take Kyle Pitts, and then right there at that eight spot, you take the best player available, and I think that's Javante Williams. From a dynasty perspective, I think he had an excellent landing spot. I think he produces this year, like Trey said. Uh, even if it's Philip Lindsay uh, numbers, that's that's still excellent value. Uh, but I think Melvin Gordon's definitely gone at the end of this year. His contract's up, and then it's that's it, going to be the Javante Williams show. You don't trade up for a guy to not feature him. You don't pay well. They they paid a little bit and they recouped it in draft, but you don't move up to get a running back if he's not going to be that guy. Yeah, John, that's a good point, and and something we should p- be paying more attention to is anytime any of these teams trade up to draft a running back in the first uh, three rounds, that is actually a really strong signal for uh, you know good <laughs> fantasy production. So, you know, the fact that they did trade up for Williams, and the next guy we're going to talk about was a was a trade up candidate too. That's uh, definitely a big plus for their profile what Trey made me realize just like mentioning Aaron Rodgers and then John talking about 2022. If like a lot of people you have Travis Etienne over Javante Williams, but you have them like right next to each other, there's a really strong argument to take Javante Williams because you're not losing that much in terms of your rankings, but you're gaining the possibility that Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback in the next couple of months. Right? So if you have them close to one another, I think that's as good a reason of any to take Javante Williams over Travis Etienne. Uh, now, Trey's shaking his head a little bit because he has Travis Etienne like 10 spots higher than Javante Williams in his running back. Well, you know, in, in two or three years, maybe Aaron Rodgers will still be as good as uh, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next running back that went off the board, Trey just referenced him at pick 88. The San Francisco 49ers traded up to take Trey Sermon. Preach. All right. So we got another Trey. Yeah. We got another Trey here. We got a preacher, Trey Sermon. Um, Mitch, I got to throw it to you first. You, you've you you've been high on Trey Sermon. Whole process. You're still high on him. What, do you, what did you think of this? And now I'm sad because I can't have him because I picked too late in the first round of our 1QB league. Now, <laughs> he's going to go. He's going to go before that. ADP right now, I think, is uh, 10 in Superflex. That's mine. His is... Uh, 15 I think he's one of those guys that's going to another perfect situation like I referenced I believe about Trey Lance that offensive offensive line is ranked ninth and it was in 2020 according to uh pro football focus but that's a great spot for a landing spot we all know Kyle Shanahan loves running backs they traded up to get him he's a big dude he's gonna be their goal line guy he might even get a banger from uh, 30 yards out with that scheme. So I'm just as high on him as I was. I love the landing spot. And yeah, preach. Trey, Trey Sermon, it, he enters a really good running offense, but it is a little bit of a crowded running back room. So how are you evaluating Trey Sermon now? Yeah, so he's no doubt the running back four uh, in this rookie class. So getting that third round draft capital and getting an awesome landing spot like San Francisco is a huge plus for him. Uh, so th- that definitely helped him uh, move up my rankings for sure. Uh, but like you said, that uh, system that Shanahan runs in uh, San Francisco really does cap that top end upside for these running backs because there's always going to be a running back by committee, you know? And so even if Trey Sermon lights the world on fire, there's always going to be another guy or two that's getting mixed in there. So I you say he's he, the goal line guy though, right? 
maybe i i mean who knows he's he's got like a 29.2 bmi so he's a little bit smaller than the other three guys that we've already talked about just in terms of body mass and um yeah i, I think sermon could be a goal line guy but you know they also have mostert and hasty and wilson and mitchell who they also drafted this year so it's a crowded room i know a lot of those guys are going to be free agents after this season so um i think the fact that they traded up for sermon in the third round he's definitely going to get his opportunities but the fact that that shanahan system uh uses that running back committee i think caps his upside a little bit yeah i mean and also about that shanahan system that outside zone scheme gets running backs fucking hurt man like that all, all those running backs get hurt all the time. And Trey Sermon does not have a clean bill of health coming out of college. So that does worry me. That's why I wanted to see Travis Etienne, like in my dream of dreams, land in San Francisco, because he's been extremely durable throughout his college career. Um, is there anything else we want to say on Trey Sermon? I, I don't want to monopolize the end of the time there. Running back three. Running back three for Mitch. Okay, hot take there. All right. Uh, so... Our the RB five that came off the board. Our consensus RB five in our rankings is Michael Carter at pick one hundred and seven, very beginning of the fourth round to the Jets. So he got day th- day three capital, but it was like as early in day three almost as you could possibly get. John, a couple weeks ago in our halftime segment, you had mentioned the Jets as your favorite running back landing spot. So what does this do for Michael Carter now? You know, as maybe the potential lead back in New York. Yeah, so I was not as high as y'all were on Michael Carter when we are doing that mock draft episode, but I've definitely got him as my running back five, and I love the landing spot. I, I was being genuine when I said I thought the New York Jets was the best landing spot. So uh, I've got him as 19 in my Superflex mock draft here. I would take him mid-second round, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that because I, I don't think there's a lot of draft capital guys in front of him. I know Trey said Tevin Coleman, but he's going to be the pass catching back in that backfield. And uh, Zach Wilson's going to is a rookie. He's going to be looking for a guy to dump the ball off to. And I think that's Michael Carter. So I think uh, I think he's going to get his shot. Obviously, uh, he's he's got uh, he's got the skills. He's got the ability. And I think he fits really well in that system if they're running that same Shanahan outside zone system. I think that he's going to fit in really well there. And that's why I'm pretty comfortable taking him as a mid second pick in super flex drafts. Yeah. Yeah. John. So you mentioned the Shanahan system. So my comp for him uh, before the draft was Devonte Freeman. And I had Kyle Shanahan question mark, question mark, question mark in my notes. Uh, so he didn't get that, but he did get the next best thing, which are, you know, Kyle Shanahan's former assistants. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we're all in agreement. It is an ascending offense. The fourth round draft capital uh, definitely works against him. You know, historically, guys drafted in the fourth round uh, have not been high hit rate producers as rookies, but um, he's definitely going to get plenty of opportunity there in New York uh, early on. So I like him as a mid second round pick in uh, Superflex. Okay. Um, the next player that went off the board, kind of a surprise. I had never heard of him before um, this happened, but at pick 119, the Minnesota Vikings select Kenny Nwangwu out of Iowa State. So I think this is a really highly rated special teams player. If you look at his athletic measurables, he's kind of a beast. He's like 6'1". He runs really fast, benches a lot. 
Um, and I and I was reading that he was one of the best returners in college football, right? So it seems like they paid up in the fourth round for a special teams difference maker here. But, you know, sometimes those guys can find their way into touches. Where are y'all putting Kenny Nguengwu in terms of like the rest of these kind of deeper running backs we're going to be talking about? Hopefully on somebody else's fantasy roster. I, I've got him outside the top 50. I did my top 50 guys, and he didn't find his way in there. Okay, okay. Well, what about Madison, right? Like, I don't know. I can't really see him getting in front of him or Dalvin. I, I don't... He's going to play special teams and maybe get a gadget here and there, but... Well, no, I mean, he's definitely a great uh, athlete. So he, you know, from that perspective, uh, is if he ever gets the ball in his hands on offense, which he didn't do much of at Iowa State, but... Um, you have to like that athletic profile. He's, uh, awesome speed score, awesome burst percentage. So, um, I mean, he does not, he's at number 10 for me in these rookie running backs. And I would rather have the guy who was picked right after him, uh, Ramondre Stevenson by the, uh, by the Pats. Yeah. Trey, we can move on from Kenny Nwangu. So why don't you talk about Ramondre Stevenson? Yeah. So Ramondre Stevenson, uh, he was a, a Juco guy, uh, ended up at OU. Uh, so you know, he, he doesn't have like the best athletic profile. He's, he has kind of a slow 40 and slow and, you know, poor burst, but he's got great agility for his size. He's 230 pounds with a 32 uh, BMI. Uh, he's shown some pass catching ability. He caught 18 passes as a junior in only six games. So it shows he's capable uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. And he had a 7.2 uh, yards per carry uh, average for his uh, college career. I think Sony Michelle is on his way out the door in New England. And for a fourth round uh, guy, he's got a ton of upside as potentially a LeGarrette Blount type in that New England offense. So um, I, I'm not as high as on him as I am as uh, Sermon or Carter, but I would like him at the end of the second or beginning of third in Superflex drafts. It's too high. I will uh, go ahead. Too damn high. No, go ahead, John. I've got him as uh, running back nine in this class, and uh, I think I've got him in super flex drafts at 37, so right at the beginning of the fourth round. Uh, so that's like, you, you, you didn't mention Damian Harris there in New England. Come on now. Sony's gone, but come on, the guy out there is Damian. Yeah, I recognize Damian Harris is there, uh, right? So his upside is always going to be capped by that system. But we're, we're talking about the upside of, someone who get a ton of goal line touches, right? Like You're it's right. going to, he plays like a, like a fullback, you know? Yeah, sure. So they could, could be a vulture. That's yeah. True. So to, just real quick on Ramondre Stevenson. I also think he is more athletic than his testing indicates. And I also know that he had COVID and it really messed him up. Like he gained like 40 or 50 pounds because oh. of him trying to recover from COVID. So I think the Pats may have made a pretty good upside pick, uh, and you can make the same kind of upside pick if you like in your rookie drafts there in the third round, maybe late second, like Trey was saying. It, All right. Yeah, go for it, John. I think it's just worth mentioning that Trey Sermon transferred out of Oklahoma for a reason, and that's because Ramondre Stevenson won the job there. Thank you, John. I like that. Spicy. All right. So we got probably four or five guys to just run through really quick here. Mitch, pick 126, Carolina took Chuba Hubbard. Uh, he might have the clearest path to workhorse touches in the event of an injury in terms of like the rest of these guys that we're going to talk about. What did you think about this landing spot? Well, that's the best case scenario when you fall that far. 
being behind uh, Christian McCaffrey, why not? Like he he played what maybe five minutes last year, yeah. And Mike Davis, yeah, and he and he up... scored like sixty fantasy points in that five minutes, right? Yeah, and and Mike Davis took over, and maybe that inflated his value and made him some money. So if Chuba, Chuba, if Chuba can uh, can go in there and pick up where Mike Davis left off, I don't think that's a uh, too much to ask for him. So yeah. Take a dart and throw it. I've got Stevenson and Chuba Hubbard right next to each other in my ranks. I'm going back and forth. And uh, they were picked really close to each other in the NFL draft, too. So um, uh, he's a handcuff to Christian McCaffrey. And uh, like you said, if the opportunity presents itself, he could probably do what Mike Davis did last year. John, the next running back picked was at pick 150. Philadelphia Eagles took Kenneth Gainwell. And this is a guy that was essentially consensus RB4 before the draft. And he just kept falling and falling and falling, ended up in Philly. What do we think about this? Uh, well, I I think he's still a decent pick. In super flex drafts, I'm taking him as RB6, which falls at, to the 29th pick for me, which is right at the end of the third round. I mean, it's it's getting crowded back there in the Philadelphia backfield, but He's a good pass catching back and he could find some volume there. So he's worth an end of the third round pick just to see what happens, just to see if it works out for him. Yeah, you would imagine he takes kind of the Boston Scott role there uh, more or less immediately. Trey, uh, you mentioned Elijah Mitchell earlier in the episode when we were talking about um, Trey Sermon. So uh, you want to talk about Elijah Mitchell here for a little bit as we round out the show? Yeah, so guy out of Louisiana Lafayette, sixth rounder, uh, 194th overall. Uh, he's wasn't really projected uh, to go very high in the draft, and obviously he didn't, but he's got a great athletic profile, almost as good as uh, Kene Nwongu does. And, um, it, you know, he produced quite a bit at Louisiana Lafayette. Unfortunately, that's the Sun Belt, right? So not as good as these guys who did the same thing in the SEC and these other power five conferences, but he ended up in the Shanahan system. And we've seen guys like Raheem Mostert uh, be extremely productive in that system. So um, if Mostert and Wilson and hasty and uh, you know, these other running backs that they've signed are all gone in 2022, and it's just sermon and Mitchell, then I like the opportunity that Mitchell presents better than a guy like Gainwell in that Shanahan offense. Interesting. Um, okay, Mitch, did you have any guys you wanted to talk about or, uh, JV and Hawkins, one of those sure. undrafted dudes, but he's in a locker room. That's not very crowded. So as we know, running backs get hurt and it's next man up and he's five, eight, one eighty two. He's not a very big dude, but it's worth a shot picking up a guy like this at the very, very end. Or if nobody drafts him, putting in a, a very low claim for him just he's in a he's in a decent situation for a, a guy that we don't know a whole lot about so it's worth taking a flyer atlanta falcons right that did atlanta yeah atlanta, atlanta falcons, falcons. Yeah. yeah uh some other guys you know we we talked about um we talked about jamar jefferson um who was on a lot of boards before the draft and pretty much falling out of boards now he's got a chance to take over the carry on johnson role maybe in detroit um, Kylan Hill, John mentioned for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, John, you also wrote down here Larry Roundtree uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers. You want to give us a couple seconds on Larry Roundtree and then we'll close out? Yeah, it's just that he's got an opportunity. I don't think that uh, that uh, Joshua Kelly or Justin Jackson really 
prove themselves worthy of being the backup to uh, Austin Eckler out there. So I think he's going to have a chance to prove that uh, he could be the running back too for the Chargers. And they've shown a willingness to start rookies in the past. Uh, I think Kelly was a rookie last year. So just someone to keep an eye out on. Sure. Yeah, there's so many dart throw running backs that I think for me, if I'm in like the third or fourth round of a rookie draft, I'm probably not drafting them. I'm I'm taking dart throws at receiver or Tommy Tremble or somebody like that. And I'm trying to get some of these dart throws as UDFAs after the draft. Like that's as I'm looking down the list, that's my perspective. Uh, any agreements or disagreements there? Rick, good. Sounds good. <laughs> Great. Rick, Sounds good, guys. All right. And on that note. Yeah, and on that note, another long ass episode. But you know, you know how it is. You know how we do here at TLG. We just, we just fucking talk. There's four of us, and we just motor mouth. We're talking right? about stuff. Who's gonna stop us? <laughs> That's gonna do it for episode seven of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. We're excited. I think next week we're getting into divisions, so we're finally gonna start talking about these veterans again, guys. Very exciting. Very exciting. All right, homies, uh, we will see you next week. Peace. Adios. All right. See ya.